and uh, just to, you know, I, I told Abby this morning, I said, I wish we could meet in person. We really do. We really do wish we could. And we pray for that and look for that. And, uh, and, uh, but we trust the Lord in these times. So um, if you've got your Bible with you, go to Mark chapter 10. And uh, this is our final um, Sunday of our Jesus is Better series. And um, as I, um, or maybe Graham said, or I'm saying now, feel free to ask questions, chat um, in, in the chat, and, um, and then we'll have some time um, in a little bit after the sermon for some discussion and things like that. So um, Jesus is Better, our final week. And as we start out this year, Uh, what we really wanted to do. We wanted to put this series first because we think it's foundational to say, hey, let's continue to be honest with ourselves. Will we believe and live as if Jesus truly is better than anything else that we try to find in life? Will we truly believe that Jesus is better? And this goes to the very core of our faith, the very core of our beliefs. Because if we don't truly believe Jesus is better, we're going to try to find our life in something or someone else. And so it's so foundational and so important, such an important question to continue wrestling with. And that's what we're going to do this morning um, as we look at Mark chapter 10. So we're going to read from Mark chapter 10. In this um, account that we're going to read starting in verse 17, Jesus is with his disciples traveling around, teaching and healing. This is right in the middle of Jesus's ministry. Um, and this may be a familiar story for you, maybe not, um, but it's about this guy known as the rich young man or the rich young ruler. So we're gonna read um, in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. And here is what it says. And as he was setting out on his journey, talking about Jesus, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Let's pray again, and uh, we'll continue in this. So, God, we are thankful for your word. And as we just sang in that song, God, speak through your word. God, let, I pray that in, even in this moment that every single one of us would um, pause, we would quiet our hearts, And we would say, God, would you speak to me? We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your goodness. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to love and seek and follow you closely. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as we look through this scripture this morning, we can say that we believe something, but until we actually live it out, there's no proof that we really believe it. So you could say, oh yeah, this parachute will work. But until you jump out of the plane and pull the ripcord, it's all just talk, like you're just talking about it, right? This applies to our spiritual lives as well. We can say, yeah, Jesus is better, but until we live it out, it's just talk. So through our scripture this morning, we want to see what it looks like to, in a sense, prove that we believe that Jesus is better. And that's our main idea of this morning is this. We prove that we believe that Jesus is better 
when we lay down everything to follow him. We prove that we believe that Jesus is better when we lay down everything to follow him. So we're going to walk through this just kind of verse by verse, and then I've got two questions that help us apply this to our lives. So verse 17, we're just going to just march right through it this morning. So it says, as he was setting out on his journey, it's talking about Jesus. They've been going place to place, teaching, healing, and all these things. He's with his disciples. And it says, a man ran up and knelt before him. So this man runs up. We know him as the rich young man, or in Matthew, he's called the rich young ruler. We don't know his name. We don't really know more details than that. But with the context and with his kind of title here, we know that he's got money. We know that he's got social status. Um, Most likely, he's got some sort of influence. He's an important guy, all that kind of thing. Basically, he's got it all. And his life is likely pretty comfortable, pretty easy. He's, you know, an important guy. He's got what he needs. But he comes and he comes with some humility as he knelt before him. So he understands this dynamic of that Jesus is someone that deserves his respect. Jesus is someone important. So he runs up and he, say, he calls Jesus good teacher. So most likely he had heard about Jesus. He had heard his teachings. He had heard of his miracles. Maybe he had even observed this and seen this and he was impressed. And as Jesus is on his way out of town, he wants to talk to Jesus to make sure that he's okay, to kind of check all the boxes. And so he runs up, he says, Jesus, I've got a question. He calls him good teacher. One commentary that I read this week said, this man, he said, he saw in Jesus another good man whose insight into spiritual matters could perhaps solve some lingering questions that plagued his soul, right? This guy saw himself, this man saw himself as a good man, but he also recognized, hey, this Jesus, he's, he's a, this is a good man. I need to you know, clarify some things, get some, some spiritual questions answered here. So he runs up and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a really good question. I would say it's maybe the question of life. It's a very, very important question. So this man is asking really good questions, but the first part of his question tells us a lot about what he believes. He says, what must I do? He is thinking in this scenario that it depends on him. And this is, if you were kind of here in in our discussion here in just a moment, this is the concept of religion in general. The question of religion is, what must I do? He wanted to do all that he could. This man, he wants to do all that he could to ensure that when he dies, he's good to go. Everything is good. So he's just trying to check all the boxes, make sure, hey, my life is really good. Make sure everything's good spiritually, all that. What must I do? So verse 18, it can seem a little bit strange. And Jesus, because Jesus' response seems weird to us. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. What's Jesus doing here? Jesus, I think, is basically saying, wait a minute. If you call me good, then you must believe that I'm God. Because only God is good. That's kind of the answer that he's giving. He's kind of asking, he's like, do you really know what you're asking? Do you really believe that? Do you believe that I am good as in equal with God who is good? That I am the son of God? I think that's Jesus' response here. He's trying to clarify this definition of good, right? Because the man says, he would say, oh, I'm a good man. And Jesus is like, okay, are you seeing me as just another good man or as truly good, equal with God, the son of God? Jesus is trying to clarify these definitions here. And we move to verse 19. The man's question, what what must I do to inherit eternal life? He answers him. 
Jesus says, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. So Jesus responds to his question about eternal life by listing the last six of the Ten Commandments. Now, these six commandments all have to do with our interaction and relationship to other people. If you look in, in Exodus 20 from the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments are more about our relationship between us and God, and the last six are more about the, the horizontal human relationships. And so remember the context here. Jesus is talking to this Jewish man who knew the Jewish law, and the, he knew the commandments very well. So this was not, um, you can see in his response here in a minute, he's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I know all that. But Jesus, what Jesus is telling him is, Okay, if you want to inherit eternal life, keep the law perfectly and you will inherit eternal life. So what he's trying to communicate to this young man is that the, is that the status that God requires is perfection, but that it is impossible on our own. And this points us to the gospel. We see this. We know it is impossible for us to completely live up to God's standard of perfection. But that's what Jesus is telling this man here. He's saying, if you keep all of the law, then you'll be good. What Jesus is kind of saying and not saying is, but you can't keep the law completely by yourself. And that's what he's going to drive out here in a moment. Because we know, looking back and looking at Scripture and seeing the truth of Scripture, we are only made perfect through Jesus. So Jesus gives this answer, hey, keep the law, do these things. Verse 20, the young man says, yep, chick, I've done all that. I, ever since I was young, haven't killed anyone, haven't cheated on my wife, haven't stole, didn't, haven't taken anything or lied. You know, all of these things that were like, oh, do you want a round of applause? Like these are things that most of us don't do. Like most of us, I think, have not gone and killed someone or done all these things. He's like, yeah, I, I do all the right things, right? But he's really asking, what he wants to know, hey, Jesus, you're this special teacher, rabbi, you're teaching, you're performing miracles. Is there something more? Is there some secret key or secret wisdom that I need to know so that I'm good to go? He's kind of like, hey, come on, you know, I'm important. Tell me, it matters. Because he said, listen, I've done all the other stuff, right? I've done everything I'm supposed to do. We move to verse 21, and I want us to see the heart of Jesus here. In this conversation, this back and forth, it says, Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And I love how this is dropped right into the middle of this story, because we know the end of the story. The guy walks away. He says, no, I can't do that. But Jesus, in the middle of the story, looks at this man and loves him deeply. And it reminds us, it tells us, that is how Jesus looks at you and I. He loves us and cares for us even in our questions, even in our confusion sometimes about, okay, how are we doing this? How are we following? What is, how do we do all this? And Jesus, we've got to remember this morning, the love of Jesus towards us. This is the very heart of Jesus. And so Jesus looks at him and he loves him. And then he gives this response. Because the guy's saying, no, no, no. What else do I need to do? And Jesus says, he gets to the heart of the issue. He says, go, sell all that you have, give to the poor and follow me. What Jesus is doing is he's getting to the heart of the issue. He's telling this man, he's like, hey, you, you say that you follow, the command, you follow the commandments, but are you following all the commandments? Are you following the first commandment? I read another commentary that said, Jesus here, he's, Jesus has addressed the last six commandments of the Ten Commandments. 
But now Jesus addresses the first commandment, which is, you shall have no other gods before me. God must be God in our lives. For this man, his wealth occupied the place that only God should have in his life. So he's like, okay, yeah, you've kept the final commandments, but have you kept this first commandment that God is God in your life, that there is nothing else that takes the place of God? Because the point here is not about wealth. The point is, is God first in your life? For this man, his wealth was an idol. It was the thing that was most important to him. And Jesus tells him, sell it all, give to the poor. Because if he truly wants to follow God, if he truly wants to inherit eternal life, then he must lay down, lay it all down and stop trying to find eternal life in the temporary security of his wealth. And in all of this, Jesus gives a promise. He says, hey, you will have treasure in heaven If you lay all of your possessions down, if you follow me, you will have something of infinitely more value. And finally, Jesus says, come and follow me. Lay down your plans, your comforts, your way of life and follow me. If you're really serious about this question of eternal life, then follow me. Jesus is essentially telling him, it's in me that you will find life. I am better than all that you will find in this world. It's the answer that Jesus is giving to this man. Our series is called Jesus is Better. His response here is saying, hey, listen, I'm better. I am better than what you're going to find in this world. I am better than what you're going to find in your wealth. We come to verse 22. It says, the man went away sorrowful, disheartened by this saying. Basically, he's saying it was too much for him. He had a lot of, it says he had great possessions. And this response that Jesus gave, he's like, I can't, I can't do it. It's too much for me. There's a pastor named Tim Keller. And he said this, he says, when Jesus called this young man to give up his money, the man started to grieve because money was for him what God the father was for Jesus. For this man, money was the center of his identity. And to lose his money would have been to lose himself. This man did not believe that Jesus is better. He wanted eternal life as kind of a nice add-on to his already pretty good life. But Jesus had something more for him to lose the world but gain Christ. We prove that we believe that Jesus is better when we lay down everything to follow him. So we look at this story. The story continues, and Jesus kind of goes and talks to his disciples, and this this story continues of saying, you know, for those who leave everything, they will gain heaven, they will gain Christ, they will receive so much more by giving up the temporary stuff of this world. So you can go and read the rest of the story, but we're going to stop here, kind of at this point where we kind of get this like, bad example of Jesus is better. This man says, I can't do it. Jesus isn't better for him. He says, I I can't follow that way. But what do we do with all of this? How does this passage impact the way that we live our lives? And so I want us to ponder that this morning with two, ponder with two questions this morning. First question, does your life prove that you believe that Jesus is better? And the second question, will you lay down everything to follow him? 
And this is where I want, I want us to think through these questions. I want it to be practical in our lives as we think through and wrestle through these deep spiritual questions. So does your life prove that you believe that Jesus is better? So the man in this story wanted eternal life, but in the end, he was unwilling to follow Jesus. He did not believe that Jesus was better, and his actions proved it. He literally heard the response and walked away. So we think about our own lives. Our actions prove what we truly believe every day. Now, when I say prove, I'm not meaning that we have to prove ourselves to God. What I mean is that the way that we live is proof of what we truly believe. The way we live is a peek behind the curtain of our theology. Theology is simply, what do we believe about God? The way that we live shows us that in real time. What we say we believe Sorry, if we say, if we say, so here's an example. If we say, hey, I believe that I am saved by God's grace. It's a very Christian thing to say. It's biblical. It's a good thing, right? But then if we live in a way that is trying to earn our way to God, then what do we really believe? We really believe that we have to earn our way to God. So what we say we believe and what we actually do can sometimes be very different things. So the question, does your life prove that you believe that Jesus is better? And you can evaluate kind of your life. And you have to be, we have to be honest with ourselves to do this, to evaluate, to say, am I trying to find life and satisfaction in things other than Jesus? Are you looking to a relationship to fulfill you? Are you waiting on more money or a better house or a better whatever? Or are you living with peace and joy because you are experiencing every day that Jesus is better than all of the pain and the brokenness of life? This is where we search our hearts and we're honest with ourselves. Do I really believe that Jesus is better? Because I think every single one of us would say that, yes, Jesus is better. But we evaluate, what am I living out? What are the things that I'm saying and doing, the actions I'm taking? Do I really believe that Jesus is better? Do I really believe that he is the place where my soul finds rest? And so in thinking about this, all of us can evaluate. Maybe we need to deal with some sin in our lives. Maybe our life is not proving that we believe this. And if that's the case, there's good news. Is this, is that God is welcoming us to himself, that we can run to him, that we can lay all of that down and find life and rest in him. He is not forcing us to earn our way back. He's forcing us, not forcing us. He's inviting us to humble ourselves and run to him and turn to him to repent of our sin. And in those places where what we say and what we actually do aren't matching up, we run to God and say, God, I need your grace. Help me. Because it's through Jesus that when we say we believe, that, sorry, it's through Jesus that what we say we believe and what we actually believe can line up. It's through his work in our lives, his grace in our lives. And when that happens, it proves that we truly believe that he is better. One way to evaluate this is when we face difficulties, what are we turning to? What are we running to? Because we can say Jesus is better, but are we turning to him and finding our life in him? Or are we trying to find it in all kinds of other things? So evaluate your heart. Is your life 
proving that you believe that Jesus is better. Second question, will you lay down everything to follow him? This is the question that this man faced. Jesus, it was very, uh, very literal for this man. I think it can be very literal for us too. Will we lay down everything to follow him? We we can ask ourselves, is Jesus an add-on to our already pretty good lives? Or is he everything to us? And that's the dilemma that this young man faced. Is Jesus just this kind of spiritual guru that I kind of need in my life because he helps me out sometimes? Or is he everything to me? And we face that question as well. Do we turn to God just, oh, I need some help. I need some wisdom. I don't know what to do. Or are we living in a way that says, God, my whole life belongs to you. And that's the question that this text brings us face to face with. Will you lay everything down to follow Jesus? Or will you hold on to your status, your position, your reputation, your sense of control? One author said, following Jesus may involve great personal cost but it always results in great eternal gain. And what do we gain? We gain Jesus, and that's the whole point. We gain him because Jesus is better, and we find in Christ the thing that satisfies us when we were looking to all kinds of other things in this world to bring us peace. Jesus is better. The only way that you and I will lay down everything to follow Jesus is when we see him, all of his beauty and greatness, and we truly believe that he is better. And he is. I want us to ponder that for a moment this morning and think about that. Is Jesus worth following? He is worth following. I know that most of you, most of us here have tasted that, have seen that, have known that deep in our souls. Jesus, you, you are worth it. You are worth following. I have tasted that. I have seen that. And we all know the opposite of other times when we have tried to find peace and rest and life in something that was never meant to give us peace or life or rest. Because in Jesus, we find abundant life that can't be found anywhere else. And this man in the story went away continuing to think, no, I have what I need in my wealth. And yet what he needed was found in Christ. And so we prove that we believe that Jesus is better when we lay down everything to follow him. And these are, as we kind of begin to wrap up and begin to make this practical, these are intense questions. And so maybe this morning you're thinking like, I can't do it. Um, I'm not living up to this. I'm failing or I will fail. Or maybe you're hearing like, hey, you know, get better, be better, do better. But what I want us to hear is that following Jesus is not about how much we do. Remember the question the man asked, what must I do? But the gospel is Jesus has already done everything for us. It's about what Jesus has done. See, what, what makes all of this possible What makes it possible for us to follow Jesus, to believe that he is better, is the fact that Jesus has accomplished everything that we can't. And in this story in Mark chapter 10, I think what the rich young ruler didn't understand is that Jesus fully understood the dilemma that he faced. 
Jesus understood what he was going through. Why? Because Jesus was the rich young ruler who gave up everything. Think about this. Jesus, as the son of God, had everything, had all power, all control, all riches, all wealth of heaven. He is the son of God. But what did he do on our behalf? He gave up who he was. He humbled himself and became human like us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, Paul writes, he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Jesus is just like this rich young ruler who had everything at his fingertips and yet gave it all up to fulfill his calling, what God had called him to do as the son of God. Again, from Tim Keller, I'm going to read this quote. And in this situation, it says, And Jesus would say to this man, I am going into poverty deeper than anyone has ever known. I'm giving it all away. Why? For you. Now, get ready. I'm going to ask you to give away everything to follow me. Jesus says, if I gave away my big all to get you, can you give away your little all to follow me? I won't ask you to do anything I haven't already done. I'm the ultimate rich young ruler who has given away the ultimate wealth to get you. Now, you need to give away yours to get me. This is the truth of the gospel, that Jesus has given himself on the cross to rescue us out of our sin. Jesus is better. He has done everything we need. And when we surrender ourselves to him, entrusting our lives to him, what happens then is we prove that we know deep in our hearts that Jesus truly is better. And it is a a response of faith. The response to God this morning. So maybe you're here and listening and you have never put your faith in Jesus. The truth is, is that Jesus has given up everything for you. And he invites you to, he invites you to surrender your life to follow him. And the reality that we all have sin, we are all separated from God. But through Jesus, we can come into relationship with God because Jesus, as the Son of God, gave his life and died on the cross to pay for our sins. And he rose from the dead and he is inviting us to come to him. So maybe this morning you need to respond. You need to repent and turn away from trying to control your own life and say, Jesus, I truly believe that you're better and I will give everything to follow you. Now, maybe for those of you who are Christians, you've done that, but it is a daily practice of laying down our lives and saying, I truly believe that Jesus is better. And today I will trust him. Today I will follow him. Today I will give up everything to know that he is better. Because the call to follow Jesus is a call to lay down our lives. And we prove that we believe that Jesus is better and we lay down everything to follow him. So again, this morning, this teaching, I think maybe more than sometimes, it's a bit intense in a good way because it's the calling of God, it's the invitation of God for us to follow him. And so my encouragement to you is let these questions sit in your heart. Let these questions wrestle with these to say, am I truly believing Jesus is better? Is the way that I'm living actually proving that I believe that? And in those places where it's not, just run to Jesus and say, God, help me. Help me. And he loves to help 
those who call out to him. He loves to help the humble. So our response today is to wrestle with these questions, to to be willing to say, God, search my heart, evaluate my life. Is my life proving that Jesus is better? Maybe this morning, maybe you need to say, I need to put my faith in Jesus for the first time, and we would love to talk with you about that. And feel free to reach out to us and ask questions. Here in a moment, we're going to split into uh, some different breakout rooms with a little bit of discussion and prayer time together. Um, And so use that time. Use that time to kind of thinking and processing through um, what these things mean in our lives. So the the breakouts will last about 10 minutes or so, and then you'll kind of get pulled back in. So um, when we do it, you're going to get an invitation to join a room and just click join, and then you'll be able to, it'll send you back to the main room, the virtual room, you know what I mean, in Zoom terms, here in a moment. So let me close in prayer, and then we'll split into those breakouts. God, we're thankful for your word, thankful for how you